Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. We rely on the generosity of our listeners to sustain this ministry and the message of the coming kingdom of heaven. Please consider making a donation to Beth Emanuel by clicking on the Donate tab at BethEmmanuel.org. The single flame of a single candle can light many candles without suffering any diminishment of its own brightness. Rashi cites a midrash on Numbers 11.17, which uses that illustration to describe how the Spirit of the Lord that rested upon Moses could be transferred to the 70 elders without diminishing Moses' own spiritual endowment. To what can Moses be compared at that moment? He was like to a light that is placed in a candlestick at which everybody lights his lamps, and yet its illuminating power is not the least diminished. Rashi on Numbers 11.17, Sifre Bamidbar 93. Just as a man who kindles a thousand flames from one does not lessen the first in communicating light to the others, so God did not diminish the grace imparted to Moses by the fact that he communicated of it to the seventy. Theodoret. An oil lamp can light many oil lamps without its own flame suffering diminishment. Likewise, when it came time to appoint a successor, Hashem told Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Moses did so, and he transferred the Spirit and authority God had invested in him to Joshua through the laying on of hands. This idea of transmitting the Spirit of God is pertinent to the story of the Ascension, the story of the outpouring of the Spirit, and also to our studies in Ephesians 4 regarding the gift that Messiah attained in his Ascension, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. I want to test a hypothesis about this text. Here's the hypothesis. The gift of the Holy Spirit was transmitted through the disciples of Yeshua, through the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, teachers, pastors, who first received it during the outpouring that took place on Shavuot. The idea is that the disciples present that day on Shavuot to receive the outpouring of God's Spirit then became the initial vectors through which the Spirit of the Lord was transmitted to subsequent generations of Yeshua's disciples, and they are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers and pastors to whom Paul refers. Like lamps lighting other lamps by passing the gift of flame from wick to wick, the apostles spread out into the world, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, transmitting the Holy Spirit. To test the hypothesis, we will examine a series of ten incidents involving the transmission of the Holy Spirit. Incident 1. Immersion of Yeshua When Yeshua was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Matthew three sixteen and 17. Yeshua himself is the initial flame that ignites the other lamps. 
The Spirit of God descended to rest upon him in full measure at the time of his immersion in the Jordan. That's not to say that he was the first person to ever receive an endowment of God's Spirit, but all previous prophets, seers, poets, craftsmen, sages, kings, and holy men received only a portion of that endowment. From the least to the greatest of them, they received only a measure of the Spirit of God, whereas Yeshua received the Spirit without measure. God lavished His Spirit upon His Son, as if to say, You are my Son, in whom my Spirit delights. Today I have begotten you. Before his ascension, Yeshua bequeathed the Spirit of God that rested upon him to his disciples. On the eve of his ascension, he appeared in their midst in Jerusalem and said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. John twenty twenty-one to 22 He told them, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1.5 He commissioned them as witnesses and apostles, saying, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Incident 2. Outpouring in the Temple When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 2, 1-4 Ten days after the ascension, on the day of Shavuot, something extraordinary happened. Like a lamp that lights many lamps, Yeshua distributed the Spirit of God that rested upon him among his disciples. That transference of spirit can be compared to the story of Elijah in Elisha, where the disciples of the prophets declared, The Spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. 2 Kings 2.15 the outpouring of the Spirit upon the apostles signified the beginning of a new era. That's not the same as saying the Holy Spirit was never before active. New Testament readers sometimes mistakenly assume that prior to the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts 2, nobody experienced the Holy Spirit. And this is a troubling premise. It implies that Christians have a greater spiritual endowment than men like Abraham, Moses, David, and the prophets. Abraham spoke with God, and God spoke to him. Moses was the greatest of the prophets. David received the Holy Spirit when Samuel anointed him, and he spoke by the Holy Spirit when writing the Psalms. All of the prophets prophesied by means of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Messiah within them. 1 Peter 1.11. It would be arrogant to suppose that believers in Yeshua have the Spirit and such men did not. On the contrary, the Holy Spirit of God was active in the lives of men and women long before the days of the apostles. The term Holy Spirit is merely a circumlocution for the Old Testament term Spirit of the Lord. 
God's Spirit remains active in Israel, even among people of Jewish faith who have not yet discovered the identity of the Messiah. In that case, what was so extraordinary about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the believers? What does the Gospel of John mean when it says that the Spirit was not yet given because Yeshua was not yet glorified? John 7.39 The outpouring of the Spirit upon the believers refers to a unique investment of God's Spirit in that he distributed the same Spirit that had rested upon Yeshua to each of his disciples. Similarly, when Elijah ascended, his disciple Elisha received a double portion of the Holy Spirit that anointed him. After Elijah's ascension, Elisha walked in a special anointing of God's Spirit. The Spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. So too, the seventy elders in Numbers 11 received a special anointing of God's Spirit that had been upon Moses. In Acts 2, the disciples of the Master received an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a special share in the anointing of Messiah. They are henceforth called the body of Messiah because the Spirit that rested upon Yeshua's human body now rests upon this corporate body of his disciples. They have become Messiah on earth, so to speak, the image of God. Peter explains the significance of the moment in reference to the Messianic era. He interpreted the outpouring as a a fulfillment of the prophecy uttered by Joel. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Acts 2, 16-18 The prophets predicted a unique endowment of God's Spirit in the Messianic age. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, the Lord promised. The Messianic outpouring of the Holy Spirit brings the exalted revelation of God that people in the kingdom will enjoy. They will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four. This messianic era endowment of the Holy Spirit will not only reveal the knowledge of God, but it will transform human beings, quenching the rebellious sin nature and inspiring obedience. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to obey my ordinances. Ezekiel 36.27 When John says, the Spirit was not yet given, he alludes to these messianic era endowments of the Spirit. Hold on a second. How does the outpouring of the Spirit on a small collection of Yeshua's disciples fulfill the prophecy that predicts a universal outpouring of the Spirit on all of humanity? It doesn't. Instead, the idea is that The outpouring of the Spirit upon the disciples began a process that will culminate in the universal outpouring of the Spirit. 
The apostles who receive the outpouring on Shavuot are to become the vectors of transmission that will eventually infect all of humanity with the revelation of God's Spirit. According to John, the Spirit had not yet been given because the Messiah was not yet glorified. The glorification of the Messiah refers, on the one hand, to his resurrection and ascension, and, on the other hand, to his advent in glory at the Messianic era. Subsequent to Yeshua's resurrection and ascension, a portion of the Spirit was distributed to his disciples on Shavuot as a deposit against the full principle yet to be paid out in the Messianic era. Notice how Paul explains that the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge against the future outpouring of the Spirit. Now he who establishes us with you in Messiah and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge, 2 Corinthians 5.5. Therefore, the Holy Spirit on the disciples should be understood as the Spirit of the Lord that rested upon Yeshua, now imparted to his disciples in the outpouring at Shavuot in anticipation of the general outpouring which will be universal, uniting all things in the Messiah. The goal of the outpouring is a universal enlightenment when the Spirit of the Lord that was upon Yeshua comes to rest upon all humanity. Then all things will be reconciled into Yeshua. This is the ultimate destiny of the nations and all of humanity, to be absorbed into the body of Messiah on earth. Then the Son of Man, the human being, will be all in all because all humanity will be members of his body. Incident 3. A Second Outpouring And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 4.31 The third incident occurs in Acts 4. By then, the community of Yeshua's disciples has significantly grown, and the Spirit is active through the apostles. When the religious leadership prohibits the apostles from further testifying about Yeshua, they meet for prayer, and God's Spirit again shakes the place in which they are gathered, again fills them with the Holy Spirit, and again enables them to speak the word of God with boldness. This corresponds to what Yeshua had said, When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Matthew 10, 19 and 20. This story, the third incident, implies that the Spirit of God fills the apostles and the disciples of Yeshua with special endowment on occasion. It's not a static experience. There are exceptional moments which might be characterized as spiritual recharges. After this, we read that 
many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, Acts 5.12. It does not say that all disciples of Yeshua were performing signs and wonders regularly, but the apostles did so. The apostles explained, We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Acts 5.32 Incident 4 Appointment of the Seven Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Acts 6, 3-6 The apostles spread the message through Jerusalem and into Judea. The community of disciples grows so rapidly that they find themselves unable to administer the whole assembly. The apostles appoint seven men to act as their representatives in the administration of the community. This story should be compared to the story of Moses appointing the 70 elders in Numbers 11 to assist with the administration of the community. The apostles selected men from among the disciples of Yeshua who were already full of the spirit and of wisdom, and they laid their hands on them to commission them as their agents. This incident illustrates the mechanism of laying on of hands as an investiture and act of commissioning. It was a rite considered germane to the elementary doctrine of Messiah. Hebrews 6.1, and a transference of spiritual power. Incident 5, Samaria. Incident 5 is the story of how the apostles brought the Holy Spirit out from Jerusalem and Judea to Samaria. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Master Yeshua. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, 14-17 after the death of Stephen, a persecution against the disciples scatters the Yeshua community abroad. Philip, one of the seven, takes refuge in a Samaritan city where he begins to raise up disciples of Yeshua among the Samaritans. But he is not able to transmit the Spirit himself. The apostles in Jerusalem send Peter and John to investigate the reports of Samaritan disciples. Peter and John find that Philip has immersed Samaritan disciples under the authority of the name of the Master, but the Samaritan disciples have not experienced the spiritual manifestations of God's Spirit as the Jewish disciples had. Peter and John laid hands on the disciples and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. The apostles are depicted transmitting the Spirit they received at Shavuot, not unlike Moses, laying hands upon Joshua and the elders. The Spirit falls upon the Samaritan disciples. Simon Magus is so impressed that he seeks to obtain the same power, the power to convey the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. Incident 6, Paul and Ananias 
So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the master Yeshua who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, 17 and 18. Incident 6 involves a disciple of Yeshua named Ananias, one of the original disciples who was present in the temple for the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Shavuot. He has since relocated to the Syrian city of Damascus. The master appears to him in a vision, tells him to go to a certain house, lay hands upon Paul of Tarsus, and pray for him to receive the Spirit He finds Paul still fasting in the aftermath of his encounter with Yeshua, still blinded from the light. He lays hands on him. Paul's vision is returned and he receives the Holy Spirit. The story illustrates the principle of the original disciples serving to transmit the Spirit to subsequent disciples. Incident 7. Cornelius and Peter Incident 7 involves the household of Cornelius the Centurion in the city of Caesarea. As Peter testifies to the Gentiles gathered there about Yeshua, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Acts 10, 44-46 Peter does not even need to lay hands upon them. And he probably would not have done so because he and the rest of the apostles did not anticipate transferring the Spirit to Gentiles. Nevertheless, that's what his presence in the home of Cornelius accomplished, thereby moving a step closer to the fulfillment of the prophecy about God's Spirit being poured out on all flesh. Peter asked, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? Acts 10.47 In this way, the apostles moved the Spirit from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and out to the ends of the earth. Peter later explained the significance of the moment to the other apostles back in Jerusalem. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the master, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the master, Yeshua the Messiah, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Acts 11, 15 through 17. When the rest of the apostles heard about how the Spirit had crossed over the divide between Jews and Gentiles, they dropped their objections. They blessed God, observing, Then, to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Acts 11.18 Incident 8. The Laying on of Hands over Timothy This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, 
Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. 1 Timothy 1.18.4.14 Incident 8 involves the immersion, laying on of hands, and transfer of the Spirit to Paul's Jewish disciple, Timothy. Timothy is described as a disciple, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. Acts 16.1 Paul was apparently present at the time of Timothy's immersion and the laying on of hands, In this story, we see that the laying on of hands was a standard part of the ritual for receiving a new disciple, most probably because it symbolized the transference of the Holy Spirit, like the flame of one candle igniting the wick of another. Incident 9, Twelve Disciples of John And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, Acts 19.7. Incident 9 involves 12 disciples of John the Immerser. On arriving in Ephesus, Paul encounters 12 Jews in the synagogue who identify themselves as disciples of John the Immerser. Paul asks them if they have received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They reply that they are unaware of what he is talking about. Paul realizes that, although they are disciples of John, they did not hear about Yeshua. They have only been baptized by John. He tells them, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Yeshua. He persuades them to become disciples of Yeshua. They agree to transfer to Yeshua's school. This time, they are immersed in the authority of Yeshua's name. Paul lays hands on them and prays for them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they begin speaking in tongues and prophesying. In this story, we see that Paul is serving in his capacity as an apostle, transmitting the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to other Jews. Incident 10. The Ephesian Disciples Paul now serves as a vector for the transference of the Spirit, just like the other apostles. But as he passes the flame, he does not limit himself to Jewish disciples. He also passes the Spirit to the Gentile disciples of Yeshua in Ephesus. Speaking to the Gentile disciples in Ephesus, Paul indicates that, as members of the Jewish people, he and his colleagues the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and pastors, transmit this anointing of the Spirit to the Gentile disciples of Yeshua. Ephesians 1, 13-14 says, In him, you, Gentile disciples, also, after listening to the message of truth, the message taught by the apostles, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. The endowment of the Spirit is a pledge on the Messianic era, the redemption of God's own possession, the people of Israel but it's also a down payment on the outpouring of the Spirit on all flesh. It is the gift that the Messiah obtained to be given to human beings 
to be passed through the apostles and those who originally received the Spirit. He received the Spirit at the Jordan. He passed it to his original school of Jewish disciples, and they passed it on to those that followed in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth, to Jews, Samaritans, and ultimately to all nations. It's not something that happened in isolation, but only under the investment of the body of Messiah through the laying on of hands and in conjunction with immersion in Messiah's name. This is not to place limits on God or to deny the outliers, such as Eldad and Medad, or the story of the unknown exorcist who is commanding spirits in the Master's name. But at least during the apostolic era, the ordinary way to receive this gift was through the apostles or through those who had received the anointing by them. They transferred the Holy Spirit like one lamp lighting many lamps and those lamps lighting others, but none becoming diminished in the process. The goal of the process was to ignite the whole world, lighting up the whole earth with the brilliant light of God's revelation, one human being at a time. This was the work of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of the Messiah, toward that eventual goal when the Spirit will be upon all flesh and all of humanity will be joined together into the messianic identity, the metaphysical body of the heavenly Adam. The spiritual life they conveyed belongs also to us who are heirs of this process, which has been preserved by faith through the hands of those who have clung to the confession of Yeshua before us. But then let us be diligent to walk by the Spirit and to transmit this gift to those who come after us, not letting its light go out of the world with us. And learn from it And find rest for your soul